if you could go back five years and tell yourself one thing, mm. what would that be? I've got three. You can, you can okay, go. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to always push go the boundaries. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, the, and the first one, and, and you know, we've talked about it, is recognize the skills that you don't have mm-hmm. so you know you start off in a business and you, you you've got every you've got 59 hats on right you, you're a marketeer you're a new business person you've got to make sure your invoices are out you've got to sort with your tax you know you, you need to know about branding there's all the stuff um you know that you need to set up a business and and i think the lesson would be look at what you need and make sure that you bring in that expertise, whether it's short term, long term, mm-hmm. you bring in another member of the team to, to cover off those skills that you don't have. And it's a conversation that Lisa and I have a lot around running the business. Yeah. What are the things that I'm great at yeah. and she doesn't enjoy as much? What are the things that she's great at and I don't enjoy as much? And mm-hmm. and it's it's we're lucky because there's two of us. Mm, so really actually true. being able to bounce that between ourselves is has been incredibly helpful in terms of developing the business but just leave your ego at the door yep. it's just not worth it because you you really stunt the business unless you recognize what you're good at and then buy in the expertise that you're not so good at yeah I, and i think actually just just on that point we yeah. were told once not to suffocate our business yeah because well, yeah, we, yeah. we were trying yeah. to just do everything and what we what she, what she said to us was you're actually by doing that you are suffocating your own business mm. and we were like wow you have to empower people wow right, that's to, to a good things. piece of advice yeah, yeah absolutely it's letting go as well i think sometimes you Which know you're, you're, yeah you're, yeah you're so, it's harder. your baby right <laughs> and actually letting go of some of some of that and allowing other people to help you yeah. on the journey is important mm. um the second thing is uh is back yourself just back yourself look nobody knows how to run a business when they start out right and actually i think if you know if you're really good at what you do you've got your niche you know that it's the right product for the market you really have to yeah. jump sometimes mm-hmm. i mean lisa and i have probably had the company back a little bit just mm-hmm. because it we felt like it was too risky yeah. um but actually it's been a worse outcome when we haven't backed ourselves mm-hmm. and when we've just gone for it you know hiring people is a great example yeah. and it's a conversation i'm sure you have many a time with clients <laughs> which is when do you hire do you mm. wait for the business to come in and then you're running behind the curve because yeah. you're trying to recruit someone or do you you recruit ahead and hope that it comes and that's been a lesson for us but there's been many decisions where we've just had to jump mm. and it's been fundamentally the right decision to make but that was after a year of holding back i think yeah <laughs> and then the third the third one for me is is actually about um having a business mentor um we've had one pretty much right from the beginning mm-hmm. because it's back to point one recognizing the skills that you don't have our business mentor is incredibly challenging and we'll question at the decisions that we make in our business will chivy us will chase us will point us in the right direction will have a very different view. Mm-hmm. Again, you don't know what you don't know, but it's yeah. what we yeah. talk to our clients about all the yeah. time. Lisa and I, are, you know, we're not, we, we're never salespeople, right? So actually going into a new business environment and drumming up business for our, for our company um, was something we never had to do. So our business mentor has been phenomenal and we don't always like the meetings we have with him. No. Yeah. Quite often we come away <laughs> feeling like we've been told off. Yeah, we do. <laughs> for we're like, your, oh, your own no, well. we're failing, but we're failing. actually, he picks holes in some of the things. Everything. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it helps us learn. And actually, the business wouldn't be where it is today if we didn't have him guiding, pointing, mm. challenging in the background. And I think that would be the third piece yeah. of advice that I'd give myself. Make sure you do it. Yeah. And before I come to you, like, was it always the plan to have a team of people or like when you started were you thinking like this could be a lifestyle business just for you two well when we first started it was it was just us and i think we thought we would grow it a little bit 
Um, but I don't think we ever thought, and we've ha- actually had this conversation with yeah. the team recently, we never thought that we would end up being 12 as a business mm. um, and sitting there thinking, okay, we're probably going to have to grow a little bit more. Yeah. I think we always thought it would be maybe three or four and it would be a really nice little business. But it took us quite a while to hire the first person and we brought somebody we'd known and worked with before. So that felt like a really safe kind of um, addition to our team. But then we've also had sat and had the conversation really recently. It's like, okay, this is quite big now. Mm. This feels different. Mm. We have to do things slightly differently. There's mm. a lot of people in our team that we want to develop and yeah. that we would want to support. And how do we do that? And how do we make sure that that mm. happens? How big are we going to get? Like, are we going to be 50? It's never been a lifestyle be business weird. for us, though, no. has it? We're really ambitious about yeah. evolving and what yeah. the company can do and how it can help the founders that we work with. Yeah. I mean, we did talk about a very different model in yeah. terms of employing people yeah. or not. Yeah. But actually, the thing that's most important to us is our brand yeah. and how we practice HR because yeah. we do it really differently. Mm-hmm. And so the important bit was having permanent employees yes. that would work with us and that we could shape yeah. in that brand, in the way that we practice HR. Yeah. And yeah. that's and that's why we've wound up with, you know, with, a, yeah. with a larger employed team. Yeah. They represent us. They represent Evolve HR. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's really important because we could have had loads of um, associates that we worked with. Mm. And, that's all, and that's always there as an op- option. But it doesn't quite work for us because not we, for us. I guess there's an element of control. Yeah, I think your team, your, brand. your team dictates your growth, right? Because oh, you 100%. you have to be able to provide growth opportunities for your employees. Yeah, yeah. Um, and therefore, like, and obviously, we think about the same things as well. Like, mm-hmm. if people want to progress, you have to push the business on because otherwise, they don't have any opportunities to progress and they go elsewhere, mm-hmm. and then you're just back to square one. Yeah. Um, how about you? What, what would you say? What would you, uh, can be one, three, five, seven, yeah. hundred. <laughs> There's loads. Um, I think reinforce one that Sarah said, which is back yourself. Like a hundred percent, you have to believe in yourself, even if other people don't believe in you, because mm. if you don't, you, you don't make the right decisions. Yeah. And mm. I can remember talking to a founder of a business that I was supporting and we were, we were going for dinner and I was chatting to him and he said, and we were, I was talking about it. It was the hiring. It was the, oh, we need to bring more people in and like, I'm not quite sure when we do it. And he said, back yourself you have to back yourself and so that's always resonated as sarah said mm. with us um gut instinct trust so, it yeah a hundred percent trust it because i know that there's lots of um theory out there about you know interviewing don't trust your gut instinct look at your data look at your stats and all that stuff i get that there's an objectivity that you need to bring to these things but for me your gut instinct is made up of your experience mm. your knowledge mm-hmm. all of your filters and your intuition. And I think to ignore yeah. your intuition is not the right call. And we have yeah. at times ignored our gut instinct. Mm. And, you know, we, we've ended up in a situation that we kind of probably could see, but just didn't think that would happen. And it happened. Mm. So I would absolutely now think to myself, if you go to bed at night and something's tweaking you about something, yeah. listen to it, yeah. explore it, work out what it is that's tweaking you, because there's definitely something there. So that would be one. And then I think also ask for help. So I think sometimes we can be quite proud Mm -hmm. and we can see asking for help as a weakness. And I'm sure that there are some cultures where that probably would be seen in business to ask for help. But I think to sit with a problem for too long in your own head is it can be quite disastrous um, and you paralyze yourself from making a decision. So you end up with this this decision-making paralysis. So I think you must ask for help. And I think Sarah and I, for quite a long time, it's just two of us. Mm. And we have worked quite well with that. That's worked well for us because we're different. 
have similar va- very the same values but we think differently and mm. we have different ambitions and things like that so that works perfectly well but i think we've realized that actually our two brains aren't enough now mm-hmm. and we've had to widen that out and so we've created a, a broader um team and sometimes just sitting there and going oh, i don't know the answer to this. can somebody just help me yeah. just being able to do that and i think and I ask the stupidest questions. Like the girls do laugh at me sometimes because I do ask the stupidest questions. But I'm all right with that yeah. because I can't answer it. I don't know what the answer is to this. Mm-hmm. So I just want someone else to help. And it just moves you along. So I think if you don't ask questions and ask for help, yeah. importantly, you make yourself stuck. You're just stuck in the moment. Controversial question, perhaps. No. Do you always see eye to eye? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Oh, that's a good thing though, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's a, oh. definitely a good thing. I think we did have some feedback once, didn't we? We'll be super open we and honest here. Yeah. We had some feedback once from somebody that worked with us that we made them feel quite uncomfortable when we had a debate. You can't row in front of people. That's not we don't, No, we don't row. row. <laughs> we debate. Okay. We, do. we feel strongly. We're mm. passionate about things. We don't always agree. But do you know what? From that, we will get something that's a million times better than where we started. So what every time, what we're very good at doing is not letting go of it until we've resolved it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> until it's resolved to both yeah. of us, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't go to bed on an argument, right? Yeah, we don't really no, argue. We don't argue. It's, it's not just debate, you're wrong most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. That's what she likes to think. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. So we definitely don't. But that's good. I think because so. I feel like if mm. otherwise you've got groupthink. Yeah. And how is that going to help you? What does that do? It doesn't, there's no creativity in groupthink. So yeah, yeah, definitely don't always agree. Name, CT19. Where did that come from, Chris? Well, I've been asked a few times, but so on on the bottom of our logo, it says connecting talent. That'll be the CT. That's basically where I was going with it. Um, Obviously, we started in 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, And then during, obviously, we started October 19. uh, February, March 2020 is when... COVID, COVID happened yeah. uh, and it was funny when I was talking to, to candidates and potential clients I was like oh so you're just doing like COVID recruitment because of the name and I was just like oh, uh, I wouldn't have connected oh, no. that no but it's kind of it's kind of stuck and our logo as you know is like arrows and with like the whole connecting talent piece so like yeah, we, yeah. we're taking on board a brief from a client and we're connecting them with talented individuals um, yeah that's kind of where our name came from I thought it was Chris and Taylor 19 uh, maybe uh, <laughs> that's what I thought. But, um, I don't know why. I mean, you talked a little bit earlier about the how you got mm. and you started CT19, but what was it that that prompted that prompted you? Uh, I think recruiters, like, let's be honest, like, don't always have the best reputation. Uh, I think there are some great recruiters out there, mm. some great companies mm. out there, but there's also, like, there's no barrier to entry. You yeah, can leave school absolutely. and yeah. go and be a recruiter, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the, the old school days are if someone picks up the phone enough times, then they will speak to enough people and they'll win business. Uh-huh. And I think I dealt with, um, I've worked with some great recruiters. I've tried to take like pieces of those good ones. Um, and a lot of that actually came from back when we worked together at ONI and mm-hmm. I was kind of helping manage the recruitment. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I really like what he or she is doing. I'm going to like take that when I do my own thing. Um, and I just believe that we can uh, we can humanize what we do and um, actually work in true partnership with our clients rather than just being like a, something that i feel like some recruiters are used as a a necessity whereas i want people to look at us and be like we want to work with chris and his team because like they deliver on on Mm -hmm. what we ask them to do um and i think productizing recruitment more i Mm -hmm. think so many like more 
traditional companies might believe that our oh, recruiter sends an invoice and all they've done is stuck an advert out and mm, like spoken to your 50 CVs yeah. Contingency <laughs> spoke, yeah. Spoke, yeah and so what we're trying to do is actually productize that and we've worked together on a, a couple of we have. accounts where it's like okay there's eight people that need to be hired like let's put together like a, a, package. a package based on yeah. that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. obviously there's traditional retained recruitment which I think the old school like actually if I asked you what does retained recruitment look like what would your initial answer be if you were going to engage my company on a retained search, what do you think that looks like? So for me, retained would be, I think it's like the old fashioned kind of um, pay, pay some money, retain yeah. you. A third, you third, pay, third, pay, yeah, you yeah. might pay a bit up front to do the search. Then you might pay something at interview when you've got a shortlist and, and then, then you might pay final. something yeah. final. Yeah. I think that's probably what retained would mean to me. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to put a bit of spin on it and we price ourselves competitively. Like what I hated when I was internal is when someone sent you terms like these are our standard terms of business. There's no such thing. So the word standard mm-hmm. just means I'm going to be able to negotiate you down, right? So mm-hmm. what we do is we have like three pricing structures and one of them is like a, a mini retained model. And we just say like, give us a small amount of money up front, a thousand pounds, whatever it might be. And what that does is that means we can prioritize your search um and then we'll do the final invoice at a reduced percentage to your traditional like 20 percent, as it were mm-hmm. and yeah when we set up my old boss actually who is now also working for himself he's got his own agency um he we, we had a conversation he was like obviously i'm gutted that you're not like we're not working together but i like what you're doing from a productizing recruitment perspective mm. and there's loads more we can do with it um and you do the embedded as well don't you because i've definitely noticed in certainly in the games industry that there's more movement mm, towards having is, an yeah. embedded model yeah. for recruitment rather than having you know the old-fashioned PSL yeah. loads of recruiters and you might give a exclusive for two weeks with one recruiter and then it doesn't work and so then you open it out to three or four yeah what, what about that yeah so we do a couple of embedded models at the moment where um like for example I spend two days a week with with one company in London um I think the benefits for that company are like you they have a always available resource Mm, um mm -hmm. which i think if i was hiring someone like that i would say is a massive advantage i think benefits for me are i get to go and spend time within the business and therefore i can understand the culture i can and that's a word that's talked about a lot right but i can understand the culture i can understand like the environment the settings Mm, like when i speak to someone on on a video call and i'm screening them are they gonna enjoy working in this Mm. this environment and i guess final point i'll say is like again back in the day an HR manager might give you a job description and be like, help us find this. Mm. And like, that's just not helpful. I think the embedded model is great from a commitment perspective from both parties. Four years on, what advice would you give yourself now? Similar to you, I would say like back yourself. And it's, uh, yeah, it sounds like I'm a bit of a cop out because it's what you said, but we're, uh, you know, we're a four-year-old business and recruitment, the recruitment industry is brutal Um, from a a competition point of view. There's over 30,000 recruitment agencies in the UK alone. Mm. Um, 80% 80% of which are under 10 people. Now we're sitting at nine right now. So I think probably I should look back and say, yeah, back yourself. Decisions you weren't sure about making, just mm. make them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it's not the right decision, as long as you learn from it, then I think yeah. you've done okay, right? But yeah, I, I should be proud of where we are now seeing a nine. Oh people. yeah, absolutely. And then I guess the other question is, why would we work with you? You know, we work with you. So why would a client choose you over another agency good question like i said there's there's good recruiters and there's bad mm-hmm. recruiters someone should work with us because again i'll use that word humanize i believe we we try and partner with our clients properly we try and humanize the process it's not a transaction for us like yeah. we like to build proper relationships i'd also go back to my internal talent acquisition days uh, i'd advise any agency recruiter to go and spend time internally uh, when i actually when i left my old company i was told that it was an easy option and i would i would strongly disagree i would actually say that internal recruitment can be harder mm-hmm. you don't have the commercial pressure that you have from a, a, a revenue point of view in, in an agency role but you can't hide from a hiring manager 
So you're sat at your desk, <laughs> and if you've had a, mm. an open mechanical engineering yeah. role for, for three months, you're getting shouted at, and, and agencies can hide. You know, if we're in a contingent role and you find a client yeah. difficult, you can drift off into yeah, the distance. Exactly. Um, not that we do that, of course. <laughs> but um, So I would say my experience of a, of a scaling biotech company, mm. and obviously they're the sorts of companies we work with, mm-hmm. I think is invaluable. We can empathize with what's going on. Like, I'm not chasing hiring managers if they haven't reviewed our CV after 24 minutes because like, I understand there's like... 24, is there specific 20, 24 minutes. Um, so I think, yeah, the empathy point of view, understanding, I think the culture piece again, like yeah. that's a word that's talked about in HR and recruitment a lot, but mm. um, lots of our... Lots of our startup clients will disregard people. They could be fantastic from a technical perspective, but if they're not the right cultural fit, they won't hire them. Mm-hmm. Some recruiters can find that really frustrating mm-hmm. and they will move on and they'll go and try and work with someone else because they need to make money. I get that. And I know that our team at CT19 absolutely get that as well because I've kind of drummed that into them from the start. When I was internal in, in recruitment and talent mm-hmm. acquisition, what I found frustrating is you were dealing with one agency that might be able to fill a finance role for you or one agency that yeah. would go and help you fill a mechanical engineering yeah, role. Yeah. So my kind of vision when we started was to be like, and it sounds a bit bad, but like a one-stop shop. And so in my head, I would be like the client-facing person and then I would have a team around us and like someone that specializes in yeah, hardware engineering, yeah. someone who specializes in software engineering. Um, and it's interesting at the moment, we're actually finding that each of the consultants in our team is is now working towards a bit more of a niche. I know we work with a couple of similar clients, but there's a, a cellular agriculture is a massive space at the moment. Um, and we've got a couple of people in business who are just actively seeking to win new clients in that space. Yeah. And I think the feedback is if you live and breathe something, you spend all day, every day talking to, to yeah. those sorts of people, totally. you're going to be more well-respected and, and looked yeah, at as yeah. a bit of an expert. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think jack of all trades in some areas is good, but I think there comes a point where niche is, is definitely the right way to go. And you've definitely niched because... Because, you know, you work and your business sits really nicely with our business in terms of biotech and Mm -hmm. tech. Mm -hmm. And so we obviously partner with you very Mm -hmm. regularly with clients because we're not recruiters. It's not what we do. We would prefer to pass that on to a professional and somebody that we can highly recommend to do that work. So I think niching that and doing that work has definitely built our, our, I think, has made our partnership really, really good. Because as is three, we have those three footprints, which is the tech, the biotech and the creative industry. And it is really hard to stay within them. Because we've when you get strayed out to do other of them. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we have strayed out yeah, of them. And currently we've strayed out a little bit in a couple of areas. And we always say to ourselves, well, business is business, so let's take it. Well, no, hang on. We say if it's interesting and challenging, <laughs> we'll do and it's it. going to teach us something new, we'll do it. And we absolutely will. But yeah. sometimes I think we've strayed a little bit and we have been a bit like, mm, that's quite hard because that's not our area yeah. of expertise. Mm. I don't know all of the industry yeah, the stuff that's happening in that industry. I don't know what the outside world is talking about the industry, so it has been a bit. So I think keeping in within your areas of footprint like, is really good. So brilliant, really, really enjoyed fun. our conversation today. You know, yeah. it's been a, a while in in making, but um, just been a great opportunity to sit down and chat. So, so thank you. Cool. No, thank you both, and uh, yeah, looking forward to the next one. Yeah, really good. Really enjoyed it. So yeah, crack on for the next one.